0: Why don't we hand that over to the Lord right now? Isn't he worthy today? Can you remember the time that he picked you up and he helped you through your way? Maybe you you went through some rough patches, but there was God right beside you. Maybe you've been through some hard times lately, but there was God right right there all along, even when we didn't realize it. I'm thankful for that together. There's something like when like-minded believers come together. Coming together in one name and, and in one body, lifting up the name of Christ. You can come in here in your last leg, on your last worry, on, on your last strength of hope. But when you come together in in one body, you, you you just feel strength in the house. And you you feel the Lord be able to do what he indeed wants to do. And and I'm thankful for that, that if we are sensitive to God, that he can do what he wants to do, amen amen. And I'm thankful to be here today. Um, I see some familiar faces and and some nod, and so I'm I'm glad to be able to meet maybe some of you guys after church. Um, Thank you, Brother Cox, for having me come. I'm I'm glad to be here. Yes, my wife was not able to make it today uh, due to some work obligations, so forgive us for that. Um, But I I love what I feel today. And by the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to deliver just something that's on my and I, I don't want to sugarcoat tonight. I don't I don't want to do cotton candy preaching tonight. What I want to do is just follow the will of God. And so, in order to do that, I, I, I ask for you to, for one thing is that you just open up to what God wants to do. Amen. So let's pray together before I get into the word here. Lord, God, we we are independent. God, we need you. Our dependency is on you, God. We we cannot do anything without you, God. We we cannot even breathe without you can't even live without you God how we need you one more time in this place I pray God that you would touch every mind every soul that's in this place God I I pray that you would do what only you could do God we'll be careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise everybody say amen if you preach with me you can be seated you can be seated well, I like I say, I'm glad to be here. I, I'm glad to be back in the in the state of Illinois. Uh, this is my home state. If you don't know me, I, I grew up here in Illinois. Uh, not not up this north though. Uh, I grew up in a small cornfield, um, about two and a half hours south from here, in a little town called Sullivan. Um, and we we think of you know Northern Illinois. To we just pray for you guys a lot is what we do. Um, but I am glad to be back in my home state. In fact, my dad actually grew up in the Chicago area. He grew up in West Dundee. So uh, I have some family in uh, Eldridge. I can't know how to say it. But I, I am glad to be back here. Um, but I, I, I really do feel like God has something very particular in store for us. And I just want to preach what, what God has put on my heart. I hope that's okay. So if we'll open up our Bibles to, to John. I'm going to start in verse, uh, chapter 6, St. John, and um, I'm going to start at verse 66, and, and we're, kind of work, we're going to do a little exegetical work, and that's just a fancy term for going, uh, just, it just means verse by verse. Uh, I might get a little excited tonight, I may, but I, I think I'll be a little bit down here tonight, um, and I hope that's okay, but I, I, do, I, I just can't get away from this thought. I've been struggling with it all week, and I just said, okay, Lord, I'm tired of fighting with you, and we're just going to go. We're going to do it. Verse 66 of John chapter 6. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Somebody say no more. Walked no more with him. So let me give you some historical context, what's, what's going on in scripture. So in the, in the chapter before, we see in John 5, the healing at the pool of Bethesda. We, we see a crippled man that, that has been crippled his entire life. And, and what the pool of Bethesda was, it was this, this area where it was very heathen. It was very, it was very anti-God because they would, they would believe in this magical pool, per se, that would bubble up. And they would have to throw themselves in at the right time, and they believed they, that they would be healed. They, they, people who went to the Pool of Bethesda were very in the need of a touch, a supernatural touch of some kind. And so they tried God. They tried all sorts of things, probably witchcraft. And so this was their very last hope was to get a touch from this mysterious water. Uh, now, that sounds pretty, pretty crazy. But that when, when, you're at the, when, you're, when you're on your last hope, there's just some things that you're willing to do. So Jesus, he, he saw the desperate man, and he healed him at the pool of Bethesda. So there was a miracle right there. This wasn't his first miracle, but this was maybe one of the first ones where he was beginning to pick up some steam, where people were starting to realize and recognize who Jesus was. And so this was a very public act of ministry. So he was starting to get recognized. And in, in the early verses of John chapter 6, we see the feeding of 5,000. That indeed caught a big crowd. I don't know about you, but if uh, someone came up to me and just started, out of nothing, started making some food, I would be pretty impressed. And so there was God again. There is Christ, Jesus, the, the man, God, in flesh. And he, there was another miracle. So we see the healing at the pool of Bethesda. Then we see the touch of the feeding of the 5,000. That was another miracle. And then we see here that... He goes his way to Capernaum. So he goes to the pool of Bethesda, and a bunch of people see it. They follow him into the countryside, and they see him do the loaves and fishes. And the Bible says something very interesting. It says that, that Christ knew in their hearts what they were trying to do. They were trying to have him to overthrow Rome. So he left, and he went to Capernaum. And the disciples, they notice. They said, well, where's Jesus? I know that if I was a follower of Christ, I would be very protective and I would want to know where he is. So as the good disciples were, they said, we need to go find Jesus because we lost him. Could you imagine that conversation? (laughs) Hey, uh, Mark, uh, have you seen Jesus? (laughs) There's 5,000 people here. You think I've seen Jesus? And you go, no, I cannot find Jesus. (laughs) So they went to Capernaum to find Jesus. And this is where we see another miracle because what happens is, is, they're on the sea. They get on a ship to go towards Capernaum, and the waves are going crazy. And, and then this is where we see the famous story of Peter walking on water and Jesus walking on water. Very interesting things happening, going on. And then the people, the 5,000, they realize that Jesus is gone. They said, well, we need to follow the miracle. So they go to Capernaum. And so earlier in, chapter, or in verse 26, Jesus, when they find Jesus in Capernaum, Jesus stops them in their tracks and he says something. He says this, Jesus answered to them and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat the loaves that were filled. So he said, you're not following me for the right reasons. You're not following me because of what, who I am, but you're following for what I could do for you. And so let me just do a preacher pause right here and say that if we're following God for us to get something out of him, then we're following him for the wrong reasons. We're, we're not in this thing so that we can get something out of God, but we are here to, to glorify him and, and to bless him and that he may bless our lives in return and that he could lift us up. So we are, we are not here to get something out of God like some sort of uh, slot machine, like we can just go to the casino and woohoo, here we go, Jesus, give me another miracle. That is, that is not what we are doing here. And so Jesus calls them out on their bluff and says, "You are just following me because I could feed you." So God forbid that we're following him because of what we can get out of him. Amen. Amen. So he gives them this whole long spiel. You can go back and read it. He gives us Jesus. He he he's just he's just kicking them in the teeth. He is he is just not letting them up for air at all. First, he just tells them, you're not following me for the right reasons. Then he says, I'm the bread of life, you knuckleheads. (laughs) He's just saying, like, listen, you guys are seeking me that I could give you physical bread. but I've been trying to tell you this whole time, that if I am the bread of life, that if you come upon me, I will give you everlasting life. I will give you what you need. I will give you everything that can sustain you. For man cannot live on bread alone, right? But he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Amen. And so he's just railing into him, just giving it to him. saying, I'm the bread of life. And then he goes on to this whole communion thing, talking about if you partake of my body, if you drink of my blood. Oh, that really turned them off. They're like, oh, my goodness, this man's wanting us to be cannibals out here. But they, they failed to realize what Jesus was trying to say. So and then we, we find ourselves at verse 66. And, and the Bible says that they were very distraught by these words they, they did not like what Jesus had to say they, they they did not really it did not really seem to fit into their idea of who the Messiah should be so what happened they walked no more with him the Bible called him disciples people that knew him that followed him but they knew him no more they left and so for a minute I want to talk about backsliding because that's what they did they They literally went the way with Christ and turned around on the exact same road back home. And so that, in a sense, is what backsliding is. Backsliding is when you are following after God, but then you decide, you know what, I don't really like what God has to say. I don't really like maybe some things that my pastor is trying to help me along with. I don't really like what is going on, but so what I'm going to do is I'm going to forsake my relationship with God. And me following him, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to what I was doing before. And that's exactly what they did. They left. They reversed their steps and went back. So how does this happen? How does backsliding happen? Well, I'll tell you, gratification from the world. This world is enticing, is it not? In ways... Entices our flesh and, and it pulls us. And, and I, I can't sit here and pretend like it doesn't have some sort of effect on people. Otherwise, the church would be easy. Living for God would be easy. But God never said it would be easy. God never said there wouldn't be sacrifice along the way. God never said there wouldn't be choices that had to be made. What he's saying is, will you choose me? Will you choose me? Earthly pleasures. That's something that will grasp a hold of people. This overpowering charm of the world. And God forbid that we, we fall into such thing. God and God sin cannot have a relationship. The, the secret sin that maybe you've been dealing with or the thing that you, you know nobody knows about. That, that can only go on, go on for so long until something gives way. Something will have to give way. God and God sin cannot coexist in your life. That cannot happen. In fact, there, there's an ancient quote uh, by Brutus, um, and he he was the one that killed Caesar, stabbed him a bunch of times. And so in, you can go through historical accounts, and, and Brutus, he sa- they ask him, Brutus, why did you kill Caesar? And he says this. He says, I loved, it, it's not that I loved Caesar less. Because if you remember historically, uh, when Brutus kills Caesar, Caesar says those, famous word, I too, Brute, which is just to mean you too, Brutus, you you are coming after me. And he says, yeah, and he kills him. And so he says, it's not that I loved Caesar less, no, but it's that I loved Rome more. And so I want to apply that to our Christian walk with God. We cannot say it's not that I love, it's not that I loved Jesus less, it's just that I love this world so much more. So what's in your heart today? Who, what is the love and the lust that you are after? Is, is, it, is it that you love Christ? It's not that you don't love him, but it's the enticing pleasure of this world that maybe pull you a little bit more. And so, verse 67, and this, and then I'm going to start preaching. Verse 67, then said Jesus unto the 12, will ye also go away? And with that, I title this message, Will You Also Go? Uh, Can we just lift our hands real quick? I just want want God to to touch us. Uh, This may not be the the most fanciest sermon. This may not be the, but I just want us to hear what God wants to say. God, Lord, I know that there is something specific that you want to help somebody tonight. Maybe they're dealing with something deep, God, that only you can touch the root of this issue. Only you can touch what needs to be helped today. So, God, I pray that you would do what only you could do right now. So, my question here for you tonight is, will you go also? Does this world have a pull on you? Think about what's going on here. Jesus talks to the 5,000 and they left. That's fine. But then he gets close and personal. He gets down and dirty with the 12, and he says, listen, will you go also? I handpicked you. I'm the one that I called you out from fishing. I I called you away from that lifestyle. I called you away from from things that I I saved you from. But are you going to go also? And and watch Peter's uh, response. He says, where else will we go? And amen, we can shout about that for a while, can't we? Man, I'm not going anywhere, Jesus. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right in your plan, right in your will, and I'm going to ride on till you come. But Jesus was not impressed by his answer. And that shocked me when I read, and that's what I mean when I struggled with this message, Brother Cox, because I could not understand why God was not happy about this response. Jesus would always tell Peter how he how he thought about his thoughts. You know, one time he called him Satan and said, get out of here. But another time he said, very good, Simon Bar-Jonas. said, for upon you I will build my church. For only God revealed this to you. So here's Peter again. says, well, I got another answer for you, God. I'm not going anywhere. But Jesus just comes back and in a very slight manner in verse 70 he says, Have I not chosen you twelve? I handpicked you, and one of you is a devil. I struggled with that, Brother Cox. Man, I thought Jesus would really like that answer. I really like that answer. When I was reading through this, I'm like, come on, Peter, you got it. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I've been through my trials. I've been through my heartaches. I've been through my pain. I've been through some things, and and God, I'm still here, and I'm not going anywhere. God, woo, yes, God, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I like that answer. But Jesus just was not impressed. But one of you is a devil. But one of you is a devil. Obviously, talking about uh, Judas, and that is the most, the saddest story of all history. Judas, handpicked by the Messiah himself, the, the God of the universe in flesh, handpicked Judas. And we all know how that story ends. But Judas knew God. And so that's who I want to talk to tonight. I want to talk to some people who know God tonight, and I believe you do. And I know, I could tell just from the time we've had in prayer and worship together, you guys love God. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you love God and that you're faithful and that you've made it through a pandemic and that, you know, and that you're still here in the house of God on a Thursday night. I'm thankful for that. I I believe you love God. I believe that you want to do right. And I'm not saying any of you are devils, please. I'm not. But Jesus' words, one of you is a devil. He's talking about the human will, the human desire. Judas knew, I mean really knew. He sat with him. He touched him. He felt him. He had conversations. They laughed together. They, they probably danced together. They probably did a, a lot of things together. Judas knew the, he knew the smell of Christ. He knew what he liked to eat. He knew what he liked to wear. He knew his favorite sayings. He, he knew God. I could put it in our 21st century mind. He he went to church every Sunday. He he was faithful to the house of God. He 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 had maybe a calling of God on his life and and, and he was doing the will of God. He knew God. He had a relationship. But something happened to Judas. So will you go also? I know this is a heavy message, but I just I can I could not get away from this from all week. Couldn't get away from it all last week either. I want to tell a very personal story. hope that's okay. Uh, of my, my sweet wife, Daisy. Uh, she, she grew up in church pretty much. Um, her, her parents are not in church at all. In fact, she the only thing that got her into church was her grandmother. Her grandmother was a very intricate part of her life. Her, her grandparents were very very into the church. They I mean they were one of the most godly godly people I've ever met. Her grandparents were. But but their son backslid. Never to return to church again. Never to bring his family to church. Never to bring anybody like that. But but her grandma reached out and said it would bring her to events, to camps and and finally something got a hold of my sweet wife's Heart and God God touched her in a moment, but but she went through a very interesting time of her life. She she served God at a young age and she loved God. But she she came up to this crossroad that I believe every Christian will go through in their life. This defining moment of, will you go also? It was one of those moments, very real, very raw. Will you go also? And she told me as as, may, as her plans start to fizzle away, and as she could not, she, she began to question, God, do, do I really want to serve you anymore? God, do I really, is this, is this, can I really do this? Can I truly live for you? Her family not going to church. She, she had to move back in with her mom after a while. And, man, that's a tough situation. And I, I, I applaud all of you young people or, or anybody that is living in an environment that's not godly. I grew up in an environment like that, in fact. And I applaud you for that because she, she had to struggle and fight her way out of bed on Sunday mornings while everybody was asleep to get to the house of God. And she came to this crossroad, and, and, I, and I asked her the question. I said, It probably would have been easier for you to just give up, huh? And she said something very profound to me. She said, No, that wouldn't have been easier, it would have been harder. It would have been harder. Living for God is not always easy, ladies and gentlemen. But it's much harder to walk away once you've tasted the sweetness of God. When you've truly encountered Him, when, you, when you've truly had a touch from God, and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you've been baptized in Jesus' name. I know the world is enticing. I know it's trying to pull for your soul, Judas. But if you just take along a little longer, Jesus is going to die for you in about a couple days. And he's going to raise again. He's going to cover your sins. You don't have to go on that tree on your own. He's going to go on a tree for you. (laughs) Judas, I know it's hard right now. I know you feel like giving up. I know you feel like you can't make it. I know the world's trying to get you. But all I'm trying to say is hold on a little longer. Keep going a little longer. Know that God is in control. Will you go also? No, I'm not going to go. I know one of you is a devil, but I choose not to go. I choose not to leave because I know where I stand. I know the rock that I'm at. I know what he's done for me. So it's human will, ladies and gentlemen. It's human will. For in fact, Peter, even though he came up with that very amazing, profound answer, he himself fails God. But he was not talking about Peter when he says, one of you is a devil. He knew. He did not force himself. God is not into the business of forcing his will on people. He is not into, you got to get out of that business. He is not into just creating things. He gives us total depravity. He, He gives us free will. And he knew in his foreknowledge that Judas would not do what he needed to do. But he knew that Peter... Although that he would fail God, not once, but twice after he said that statement, that, his, that the church would still be upon that rock. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the time that he denies him, not once, not twice, but thrice, three times. Denies him. Curses up a storm. Just cussing people out. I don't know him. Foul language. And then another time. And, and Peter, he understood something that that once Christ had died. The other time was this: Jesus already died for him. And they were so depressed. They know what he goes in, and he goes into that the the audacity. He goes back fishing. Peter goes back to his old lifestyle. He backslides. Straight up, backslides. You tell me, Peter, but Peter backslid. Peter went back to fishing. Christ died. He's done. Let's call it, we're going home. And he goes back fishing. Just like we talked about the other multitude of people, they went back to their lifestyle, and that's what he did. So do not go back. It's like, the Bible says it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Do not go back to what God has brought you out from. And so God, Christ, when he came back and his, came back to the earth, when he rose on the third day, he marched himself straight over to Peter, says, what are you thinking? Stop fishing for two seconds and go to what I told you to do. And then they tarried. And thank God he tarried because then the, the day of Pentecost happened. And hallelujah, we'll shout about that too. So that, that's the difference. So that's what I want to say. There's two choices that you can make tonight. There's two choices. Will you go also? You have two choices to that answer. If you say, no, I will not go, then our response must be the same as Peter's. Trusting in his mercy and his goodness, repenting, Once Peter received the Holy Ghost, he became a a whole new different creature. And many of us can attest to that. When I got the Holy Ghost, I became a new man, a new creature in him. So will you go also? If the music will come. You have a choice tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Will you go also? Get this world off your life. the The enticing pull of this world is stronger than it's ever been. In the in the time, just ever. Godliness is out the window. Righteousness and holiness is is nowhere to be found. But but where is the church? Hopefully, it'll be risen in triumph and uplifted, withholding the banner of truth. But the remaining question is, will you go also? What are you going to do with this crossroad? Every Christian will go through this crossroad in their life. And if you haven't yet, you will soon. And if you have, you'll probably have another one. I know we just had a pandemic. And I know we just had all these things happening. And I know this variant's happening. And I know all these things are coming, coming and happening and happening and happening. But Christ is asking the question, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like Peter? Are you going to be like Judas, man? That's the thing about Judas is he didn't have to hang on that tree. If he would have just waited a couple more days, there would have been someone to hang on that tree for him. And so I'm reaching for somebody today. I'm reaching for someone that, man, you fit the part. You look good. You're faithful. Thank God for that. Thank God for faithful saints. But that doesn't mean that flesh doesn't get in the way every once in a while. And I was going to talk about this a little bit tomorrow with the young people, but you can live a life free of sin. You can live a perfect and holy lifestyle before the Lord. What does that mean? Yes, we all fall, and yes, we have a human nature, but the definition of of living a free of life, uh, a life full of sin is simply this: that you have nothing left to repent of. And so, you fit the part, and you love God, and you're and you're doing the best you know how. But you're struggling right now, and you're and you're wondering, God, am I even going to make it? God, I, I, and maybe you served God for twenty years. I don't know. Maybe you've served him for only a couple years. I don't know. But I, I feel, I just know what I feel from the Lord. And you're at this crossroad. And God is asking, and he, he, he already, the, the multitude already left. They're gone. But you have a close relationship with God, and, and he turns to you, and he says, Are you going to go? Are you going to leave me too? What's your decisions today? We can all stand. I just, I can't get away from it. I'm reaching for somebody today. I'm reaching for your soul today. Are you going to go? Man, you want to serve God. You, you want to do right. Man, and you keep just falling back into the same sin over and over again. And you thought I was done. I thought I wasn't going to deal with this any longer. I got the secret sin in my life I can't seem to get out and I'm just faking it I'm doing my part coming to prayer coming to services but at home alone in the darkness there I am and I can't, and I can't get sleep because it, it, it's gripping my soul and I, I know I'm, I'm not living the way I should and I know that I, I'm not doing the thing and I hear you calling what are you going to do? Are you gonna go also? So these altars are open. These altars are open for anybody that needs maybe an alignment. That maybe you're at that crossroad, and I don't want to embarrass anybody. But this this altar calls for you. For those maybe you're struggling a little bit and, and you're going through something maybe you've never gone through before, and you just need God to help you one more time. And He's asking you the question: will you go also? For one of you is a devil.